Hey, thanks for listening to the Grace Church Sermon Podcast. For more information on Grace Church, visit us at gracemc.org. Well, good morning, everybody. It is really, really good to be together and to be with friends and to go on a journey together. We live in a world that is full of change every single day. There are changes happening all around us. And when I was, I think for me, the first time I experienced significant change in my life was when I was probably around 12 years old. It was around 12 years old that I transitioned from going to the elementary school in my little town of southwest Iowa into the big junior high building up on the hill that was connected to the high school. And uh, the elementary school was a safe place for me, partly because it was familiar, and I had spent kindergarten through sixth grade there, but also because my grandpa was the custodian and served for 25 years as the faithful custodian who just pushed the mop up and down the hallway. That's how, that was our envision of him with all of my friends. And he was just a very quiet, gentle, kind soul. All the kids love John Henry Jacobson. So going to the junior high was going to be a big deal. And uh, one of the things that caused change for me, in addition to the, the building, was the fact that something happened over the summer from sixth grade to seventh grade with a lot of my buddies that didn't happen to me. I believe it's called puberty. I was a late bloomer, but my friends just kind of entered into that crazy change season ahead of me. And what that did was that affected my friendship group because suddenly I went from kind of being a fairly popular accepted kid in elementary school to sort of a little bit of an outcast to the point where the eighth graders above us put a target on me to be bullied. We didn't call it bullying back then. We just called it getting the crap beat out of you almost every day. And uh, that was kind of my journey a lot of seventh grade. I was um, involved my favorite part of, of grade school was actually recess. And uh, we would play football, we'd play all the different sports throughout the year, and I always kind of ended up being in positions, whether it was a quarterback or different things like that, where it felt like it was a natural role. That all changed in seventh grade. Went out for the football team to try to be the quarterback, and after a series of four plays, realized this was not going to be good. So everything that happened that year just was really, really hard. It affected my academics. It affected just my whole attitude. If you were to go back during seventh grade and watch me when I would go to bed at night, I would go to bed, I would lay down on my bed, and I would silently pray to this God that I didn't personally know. And I would pray this prayer, God, if you're real, please don't let me get picked on tomorrow. And according to that prayer and that reality, God was not real for most of the year. And that was kind of my reality, and it all kind of culminated toward the end of my junior high experience when I experienced death for the first time in a personal way. One of my classmates, her name was Stacy, tragically lost her life on an accident on her farm in the middle of the winter. And all I know is one day I was poking my pencil at her in study hall, and the next day she was gone. And for me, it was a whole bunch of change. And as a 12-year-old kid, I did not know how to navigate it. We live in a world full of change. I want you to think back 20 years ago. 
If somebody would have told you that 20 years later you'd be carrying around one of these things, and on this device it would serve as your camera, your phone, your video player, your clock, your calculator, your map, your library, your music store, your uh, weather monitor, and give you access to just about every bit of information in the entire world, would you have believed them? And yet, this is our reality today. 20 years, we live in a world of change. Experts tell us that over the next 25 years, we can expect an accelerated rate of change by four times what we've experienced already. Think about the change. So that's macro change that we all live in. But think about the changes we go through in our individual lives. You leave a job. That's always a big change. Or you start a new job. Or maybe some of you who have recently experienced retirement. That's a big change. Getting married. Having a child. Sending that child to school for the first time. Sending that child off to college. Moving into a new home. Or maybe even a new community. Experiencing a health issue that you've never had before. Caring for aging parents. Experiencing a change maybe in a friendship that you didn't see coming. Going through a divorce or seeing a friendship end or a relationship you care about change. Experiencing the death of somebody that you deeply love. We are surrounded by changes every day. Let me ask you this question, just by raise of hand, how many of you have, have had formal training on how to navigate change? Me neither. It's interesting how one of the biggest topics that all of us experience throughout our whole life, whether you're 12 years old or you're 90 years old, the biggest topic that we go through on a regular basis, and there's really no formal training for it. What do we do with that? Well, this morning kind of launches a little series, like Brent mentioned, that we're going to take a look at around this topic of change, but even more importantly is the topic of transition within change. And obviously, this applies for our church body because we are going through a season of change. But I hope this message series can connect on a personal level because that's the other purpose of this is just to equip us to help us to be able to understand how do we navigate this. I think this is a big part of what we, uh, what we need to embrace in terms of our discipleship journey. Because following Jesus as a Christ follower is really all about navigating the changes that come our way. There's a little handout that uh, I don't know if you guys grabbed as you walked in, but if you want, a lot of the things that we're talking about will be summarized in this, and they're in the little holders by the doorways. So when you leave, you're welcome to grab one of those. This also has a bunch of questions on it. So if you are in a small group and you want to dig deeper, there's discussion questions. I would encourage to take, take it home, even if you're not in a small group, and use it maybe around the dinner table and just talk about some of the changes going on in your own life. So that's a resource that, ava- that is available. What qualifies me to be somebody who's talking about change? Well, other than my 12-year-old experience, um, I'm on the journey too. I know that back in 2019, uh, I was working with Youth for Christ locally here and then Youth for Christ USA for one day a week or so, 10 hours a week. And I was doing training around different leadership topics. And the National Office of Youth for Christ at that time was going through a major reorganization. 
and they had asked if I would do some workshops and training on the topic of organizational change. So that's where I kind of took a deep dive for about a year and a half and just really studied the subject, did a bunch of different trainings, and out of that came some of the content that we're going to take a look at. And it's fun when you see God teach you something that you can use in other contexts. And I feel like this is a season for some of this. So let's dive in together. As we do so, there is a scripture, a foundational scripture that I just want to anchor us to over the course of the next four weeks. And this is in the context, perhaps, of the greatest change or transition when you come, when it comes to like succession. When Jesus was leaving this world to go to heaven, this is one of the things that he taught his disciples in the midst of that. So just imagine Jesus, the Savior of the world. He's in his final days. He's going to the cross. He has the last supper with his disciples. He washes their feet. He teaches them about what's going to happen. He says, I'm going to be leaving this place soon and going to my Father in heaven. And along the way, he teaches them about the importance of abiding in him. And so uh, John 15, 5 says, I'm the vine, this is Jesus speaking, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. We need to anchor ourselves around this topic, first of all, to Jesus, because he's our rock. But secondly, because he models how we are to trust him in the midst of all these changes that we're going to go through. So let's talk about this. There's change and there's transition. Let's talk about what this means, just some simple definitions. And again, a lot of this stuff is on handout that you're welcome to grab at the end if you don't have. Here's a definition of change. Change is situational. It's when your circumstances suddenly become different. Change happens when a decision is made, right? We're going to do this, and now we're going to do that, and there's a change that takes place. The difference with transition is transition is that mental and emotional and spiritual and even social process that we go through to internalize and to navigate the change that just took place. Change is fast. Transition is slow. We are on a journey of transition as a church right now. William Bridges is a guy who's written extensively on this topic, and he has this quote. He says, it isn't the changes that do you in, it's the transitions. Change is not the same as transition. Change is external. Transition is internal. Think about some of the factors that affect how we respond to change. There's a long list, a lot of different factors. Here's just a few. Our age, our season of life, our personality types. Different people respond to change differently. Our propensity toward change in general. Our relationship or our history with the situation. Our values, our capacity, our competency in dealing with this topic. Our need for control. That's a big one. Our past experience with other changes, because a lot of times we will take our history into our present. Our personal fears, our insecurities, our health, our emotional health. The trust we have in an organization or with people, the timing, our spiritual maturity, there's a whole bunch of different factors. Now imagine going through a change when you have this number of different factors that every individual is dealing with uniquely, and now you're going to take a group of people on a journey of change 
with all of these things as potential impact. There's three phases of transition. And part of what we want to do in this series is just give us language and a framework for how we can talk about some of these things as we go. The three phases are this. It starts with an ending. Then you kind of go through this thing they call the neutral zone. And eventually you get to a new beginning. There's a visual there that you can see with that chart where the ending part affects a lot of people first. And what's interesting is in leadership, usually when there's an organizational change or something that the leaders are making a decision about, they immediately are looking to the new beginning. But the vast amount of people that are following don't start with the new beginning. They start with, what am I losing? What do I have to let go of right now? What is ending for me? And if we don't acknowledge that people are starting with ending versus new beginnings, we're going to move forward with while we leave everybody else behind. So having a visual around how we walk through these changes, both individually as well as organizationally, is so important. The challenge is this. Everybody must travel through each of those three phases in order for this to be managed well. And as a group, different people travel through those phases at different paces. And that's not always sequential. So you might jump over to the new beginning on one day, but then next week you're kind of back to loss. Or you're in the neutral zone for a while and suddenly you get excited, you're in a new beginning phase, and then you go clear back and you kind of start over. There is no rhyme or reason to kind of how this works when you're talking about it as a group. But what this does is it gives us a roadmap. And it helps us to understand that this is a process. So today we're just going to do an overview. And then over the next three weeks, we're going to take a deeper dive into each one of these phases and get really practical and kind of go deep into how that affects us in our own personal lives as well as the church. So let's talk about just an overview of endings. Endings. These are conclusions. This is when something comes to a close. It's interesting because transition starts with an ending and it ends with a beginning. Bridges says this, nothing so undermines organizational change as the failure to think through who will have to let go of what when the change occurs. Endings are difficult. They are emotional and they're personal. They affect each one of us differently. Perhaps there's no better story in Scripture that epitomizes a change and a transition and how this process was applied than the story of Moses leading the Israelites out of Pharaoh's control as slaves and ultimately into the promised land. When you study that story through this, it's really, really interesting to see. So you have the Israelites who were in bondage, who were slaves for 400 years. That's a long time. They had established habits and patterns of behavior. And while it wasn't healthy, it was all they knew for generations. And here you have Moses, who's basically at this point of his life, he's on a farm, he's just doing his own thing, raising a family. And suddenly one day while he's out tending his sheep, there's a little bush that starts burning, but it isn't consumed. And it captures his attention and he realizes this is the holy voice of God speaking to him calling him out of his role, ending what was familiar, and sending him into this new potential unknown role of leading this massive group of people to freedom. 
as you walk through this, the endings show up in a lot of different places, in the personal life of Moses, but then once you get the people and Pharaoh finally lets them go, and now you have this whole nation marching toward the Red Sea, and they reach the Red Sea, and this is their first major obstacle. They look in the rearview mirror, and they see Pharaoh's armies coming after them, and they start to freak out. And here's what we read in Scripture in Exodus 14. It says, they were terrified, and they asked Moses, What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. So even though they were in a horrible life circumstance as slaves, they would have rather gone back to that life than risk what was happening on their journey to freedom. They were having a hard time with the ending and letting go. But here's what God responded to. Whenever there's a challenge in the Scriptures, God always shows up. And here's what he does uh, in the next verse. His response. God says, Do not be afraid. Stand firm. And you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring to you today. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Now, You read these words, and when you just see it on a paper or in a book, it's one thing. But to be standing on the edge of a massive sea of water, knowing you got to get to the other side, and you realize that you are being chased down by a massive army of people that are aiming to kill you, and then the instruction is, you need only to be still. I can't imagine applying that in that context, but that's what the instruction was from God. Sometimes when change creates chaos and change creates this whirlwind of activity, what we need more than anything to navigate through it is just to push pause and to stop and to step back and just say, okay, God, I'm going to trust that you are sovereign in this because it doesn't make sense to me, but I am just going to be still and listen. And that's what Moses did, and that's what the people did. And the next thing we see is this miraculous parting of the Red Sea. And it becomes one of the greatest stories in history. And God delivered his people. Endings and all of these transition pieces come with emotions. And so when we talk about uh, what this looks like, there are predictable emotions that we can expect on this journey of transition. There's a little graph here that uh, may be kind of hard to, to see all those words, but when you go through an ending and you have a loss in your life or you have to let go of something, sometimes it starts with denial. Sometimes there's a lot of anxiety involved because it's new and it's uncertain and it's unknown. Sometimes there is confusion. Sometimes that can lead to anger. Sometimes there's even avoidance that the whole thing is happening. These are very normal experiences and normal emotions. And it's helpful sometimes just to, just to name them and then give yourself permission to say, it's okay the way I feel. This is how I feel today. And it's okay to share that with other people because we are all on this journey together. You kind of get into the neutral zone, which we'll talk about in a moment here, but then it gets a little crazy because there's really no script for it. 
And sometimes those neutral zones, there's a lot of uh, undirected energy. You don't really quite have clarity on where you're going. You're just there. And we'll see in a moment what that looked like with the Israelites. Eventually, you kind of get to that new beginning, and even the new beginning has its own set of stress involved because it's new, and it's unknown, and there's uncertainties, and is this going to work? And so there's emotions attached to that as well. Well, let's talk about phase two. Phase two is the neutral zone. Let's dig in a little deeper there. So here's the neutral zone as a definition. It is the unknown and dangerous place between here and there. We're not quite there yet, but we have left here. So we're in the middle somewhere. The neutral zone is the unavoidable wilderness experience that every transition requires without a defined script, formula, or timeline for how long it'll take. You just heard that on behalf of our church. We don't really know that timeline. And it can be confusing, and it can be a little bit chaotic, and sometimes it can even be a little discouraging. I love this quote by Marilyn Ferguson. She says, It's not so much that we're afraid of change or so in love with the old ways, but it's that place in between that we fear. It's Linus when his blanket is in the dryer. There's nothing to hold on to. Leading people through the wilderness is one of life's greatest challenges. We see in Numbers 11 the story of the Israelites as Moses continues to lead. And what we find here is they're, they're now past the Red Sea and they're somewhere in the desert. And this is a while later after this had occurred. And along the way, they got hungry and God began to provide for them manna, bread from heaven. And it would show up every morning and they would gather it and there was just enough for the day. Give us this day our daily bread, right? But that wasn't enough for the Israelites. They began to grumble, and they got upset, and they got hangry at times, I'm sure, and they directed that at their leader, Moses, and they basically said, we want meat. I'm guessing they started a chant, okay? And these people were just like beyond frustrating for Moses because he felt like he was doing all he could. And we read this. Moses gets to the end of his rope, and he has it out with the Lord. And he says this, Why have you treated your servant so badly? Did I conceive all these people? Did I give birth to them that you should say to me, carry them to the land that you promised? I am not able to carry all these people alone, for they are too heavy for me. If this is the way you're going to treat me, then put me to death at once. Now, there is an honest, desperate prayer from a leader on behalf of a group of people that he wants to see succeed. But God is faithful, and God always has a response when we cry out. And here's what God says, and this is the message version, Deuteronomy 8. It says, remember every road that God led you on for those 40 years in the wilderness, pushing you to your limits, testing you so that he would know what you were made of, whether you would keep his commandments or not. He put you through hard times. He made you go hungry. Then he fed you with manna, something neither you nor your parents knew anything about. So you would learn that men and women don't live by bread alone. We live by every word that comes from God's mouth. The neutral zone can be a time of great breakthrough, or it can be a time of great breakdown. 
How we manage this journey that we're on will make us or break us. It'll either make it the most opportunistic part of our journey, or it could become the most dangerous. The neutral zone can be this opportunity for breakthrough because it's during the neutral zone parts of life that people are most open to trying new things. There's something about that where it's like the risk factor is kind of like, let's go for it, let's try this. Neutral zones are often the places in Scripture where you see God show up and do some of the most significant ways of his work, miracles and amazing things that he has done, has often happened in a neutral zone. And neutral zones are those places where people and organizations can not just survive, but if they embrace it collectively and unified together, they can actually thrive. Here's some of the keys for this. Making Scripture our foundation and not veering off course from God's Word. Lifting up things in prayer and being really, really intentional about, God, we want what you want. Secondly is limiting major changes. When you're going through a neutral zone, you don't want to just start all kinds of things because you're already in the midst of change and it's stressful. It's providing spaces for people to process it. So whether it's a personal change you're going through or if it's a collective one, making sure that you have people that you can talk to and think through it with. Thinking differently and innovating. And then finally, setting small achievable goals. We need some small wins. We need some things that are going to give us momentum so we can be encouraged to keep, keep on the journey. So these are all parts of this neutral zone. And again, we'll get into it a little bit deeper in a couple of weeks. But for this morning, we'll end with the third phase, and that is the new beginning. New beginnings are the expression of a new identity marked by the release of fresh energy in that direction. I think we all love a new beginning. There's something about it that's fresh and it's fun, it's exciting, but they're also risky. New beginnings are most successful when the ending and the neutral zone have been managed well. And this is important because a new beginning cannot be forced to happen on people. You can't just declare it and expect everybody to be there. It's a journey you go on, and everybody's on their own journey within it. And leadership is so critical during those seasons so that we can be marching in step. William Bridges says this, Genuine beginnings begin within us, even when they are brought to our attention by external opportunities. So we are on a journey. What's important with this, when I look at this personally, is that I'm on a personal journey with these kinds of changes as well. And my posture with my God is critical to how my posture is going to be toward the things I'm trying to navigate. And it really causes us just to push pause and say, you know what? I need to humble myself. I need to trust in the Lord with all my heart and not lean on my own understanding. Because I have understanding. I have opinions, right? I need to acknowledge God in all of these ways and let him make my path straight. God loves doing new things. We see it in Scripture all over the place. Here's a few. God's mercies are new every morning. Do you know this morning when you woke up, God's mercy for you is brand new? I love in Isaiah where he says, Behold, I am doing a new thing. 
Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians 5 says, Therefore, if anybody's in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Ezekiel says, He will give us a new heart and put a new spirit within us. Romans says, He transforms me by the renewing of my mind. And Ephesians 4 says, He commands me to put on the new self. When you view Scripture and you view the gospel as this new beginning, it takes on this meaning where it's like it's exciting. God is in the business of creating new things. And God calls us to trust him with new beginnings. So we see the baton eventually was passed from Moses to Joshua as they were about to enter the promised land. So to fast forward this 40-year journey, and now suddenly Joshua is in charge. And here's what we read in Joshua 1. Now then, you and all these people get ready. There's a new beginning about to start. Get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them. I will give you every place where you set your foot. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will never leave you or forsake you. God will never leave us or forsake us, no matter the journey we're on with the craziness of change. But here's what's interesting. Despite this promise that God gives directly to Joshua, it follows up with this charge. So be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. Don't get discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. You would think if the promises were legit, that were just shared, why would Joshua need this command to be strong and courageous? I think it's because Joshua is a lot like me, and probably you. Joshua had fears. Joshua had insecurities. Joshua was anxious about a lot of things. There was a lot of responsibility at stake here. He didn't want to mess up. And I love the fact that God enters into our journeys and says, just be strong and courageous in me. You are not alone in this. I will go with you wherever you go. So moving to these new beginnings requires four things. It requires purpose. So remembering why we're on this journey to start with. Where are we going? What's the objective? What is our why? Secondly, it requires a picture, kind of a visual of visualizing where we're going. Thirdly, a plan. How are we going to get there? Putting a plan together. And then a part describing what the role is that each of us play collectively as well as individually so that we are marching in step. As we close this morning, I just want to take us back to John 15 when Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If we abide in him, we will bear fruit, for apart from him we can do nothing. The reason why I think this is so critical for us is because perhaps the gospel story itself is one of the greatest pictures of this in action. You know, on Friday when Jesus was put in the tomb, there was a pretty significant ending that took place. And those disciples that had followed him for three years were completely confused because they didn't know the rest of the story. They just knew that their master, their Messiah, their Savior was now dead and buried. And then you go through Saturday, and it's just quiet. 
And it's a neutral zone because they do not know what's coming, and they just feel like it's over. Peter goes back to the fishing business. A lot of these people kind of scattered and went back home, and they, I'm sure they were disillusioned. But then there's Sunday. Sunday's coming, and Sunday showed up, and a, and a small group of ladies went to the tomb, and suddenly they realized the stone was gone. It was rolled away, and the, the entrance was open, and they go running in, and suddenly there is no body. The body is missing. The body is gone. And suddenly behind them appear the angel that says, the Lord has risen today. And then Jesus shows up. And suddenly we begin to realize that this thing that Jesus had taught about his whole ministry was legit. Our Savior went to the cross. He died for our sin. And three days later, God raised him from the dead to give us the opportunity for a new beginning. Perhaps today, you need that new beginning freshen up in your own life. As we close in prayer this morning, I just want to invite us to walk into this story because Jesus has something for us. And as we seek to trust him with our whole heart, he's going to reveal what those details are, whether it's a personal change you're going through or it's the collective change that we are going through. So let's pray together. Father, this morning, we're just grateful for the fact that you love us, you know our name, you see the hurts, you see the the uncertainty, you see the confusion that some of us may have with some of the things happening in our world. Lord, we look at a world as a whole, and we see all kinds of crazy. We lift up the nation of Israel today, and we pray for your protection and for your will to be done. We pray, Lord, over our country and all of the changes that are taking place. And we pray that you would be sovereign in it, that your will would be done. We pray for our community here and the communities we live in and all of the changes that we see around us. And we just pray, God, that you would be our stabilizing rock. And we bring it down to our own individual lives today. And if there's any of us that need to embrace your gospel for the first time, I pray that we would receive you today, that we would confess the areas that we have fallen short, and that we would experience your forgiveness in new life. I pray, God, that you would lift us up, that you would lead us, and that you would guide us to where you want us to go. And we give you our church, and we pray that you would make this a beacon for people where they can come and know you as a result. So give us strength today for your glory, we pray it. In Jesus' name, amen.